A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am glad that you've joined us on the program today. Coming up here in a matter of moments, we're going to talk with Congresswoman-elect Lauren Boebert from Colorado about the uh, situation involving carrying guns inside the U.S. Capitol. Now, you and me and those of us who are not members of Congress, we have been banned from doing so, even if we had a concealed carry license since 1967. Of course, uh, back in 1967, carry licenses weren't really a thing. Uh, So Congress decided that, uh, you know what, we're going to just ban everybody from carrying firearms, but we're going to exempt ourselves. Uh, We can carry in the hallways. We can have guns in our office. Uh, Just can't carry on the House chamber floor or the Senate chamber floor. But other than that, if you are an elected representative of Congress, you can carry. That's been the policy since 1967 in Washington, D.C. Well, now some Democrats want to change that. Uh, Jared Huffman, Democrat from California, has uh, written a letter to Nancy Pelosi uh, signed by 20 of his fellow Democrats uh, urging a change to the rules uh, when Congress convenes in January. And he wants to ban lawmakers from carrying firearms inside the Capitol uh, because he says that um, lawmakers are not required to secure firearms stored in their offices. Weapons could end up, quote, in the wrong hands. They argue that the current regulations uh, present a, quote, needless risk for lawmakers, staff, police, and visitors. (laughs) Why is this coming up now? Well, probably because of the election of our guest today, Lauren Boebert, uh, who made headlines when she declared that she planned on carrying in the Capitol. We've also spoken with Representative-elect Andrew Clyde from Georgia, who has told us the same thing. And uh, Lauren Boebert is now firing back with a letter of her own to Nancy Pelosi. And she's got a message for those who would like to impose new gun control restrictions inside the U.S. Capitol. Take a look and a listen. Representative-elect Lauren Boebert is with us on Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. Representative-elect, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me on today, Cam. It is my pleasure. Congratulations on your election victory. And got to tell you, you have not even been sworn in yet, and you're already making waves here. We've got Democrats who are trying to get rid of this rule that's been in place longer than you or I have been alive. Uh, this, yeah. this rule dates back to the late 1960s, a rule that, yeah. that bars average citizens like myself from carrying inside the U.S. Capitol building, but lawmakers can carry. As long as they don't carry inside the House or Senate chambers, you can carry in your office, you can carry in the hallways. This has not been an issue since 1967, Mm -hmm. but apparently with your election and the fact that you've been outspoken about uh, the fact that you do plan on carrying, now 21 House Democrats are demanding that the rules change and every lawmaker be disarmed in the Capitol building. What's your reaction to this? You know, this is absurd. Uh, Democrats are always up for stripping away our constitutional rights. Uh, It's the one thing that they could all get together and agree on. And uh, alternatively, it's the one thing that I was sent here to make sure is secured uh, for the American people. I was sent by the voters to secure their rights. And now here I am, a member-elect. I have not even been sworn in. And I'm having to uh, relay the elementary uh, foundations of our basic rights. Uh, We are endowed by our creator, not by politicians, 
with certain unalienable rights. You know, we told the government, we have a whole list of things that don't belong to you. They weren't granted to us by you. You are instituted to make sure they are always protected for the people. And uh, somehow politicians uh, get to D.C. and mess that all up. And they think that uh, they have the all, all the power to just start stripping them away and, and shredding these rights. And so I am there to take a stand and be uh, a, a defender of the Constitution for the American people. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, to, to that end, again, I, I, I know that it's not going to happen with Nancy Pelosi in charge of the House, but would you, you know, you've got these Democrat colleagues of yours who are saying, well, we need to ban lawmakers from carrying. Would you like to go the opposite direction? Would you like to uh, do you think that the average concealed carry holder, if you've got a, a, a valid concealed carry license recognized in Washington, D.C., you think you should be able to carry in the Capitol? Uh, we have a Second Amendment right, and I believe that our entire country should be constitutional carry. Uh, I will always be a defender uh, for the right of the people to keep and bear arms. Right now, there is this uh, provision for uh, members to carry in the Capitol, and Democrats are trying to take even that away. Uh, these are the same people that uh, shout in the streets that we need to defund our police officer and uh, uh, officers. And then they also say that uh, we should wear masks because they care about everyone. They care about the safety of others, uh, but yet they want our law enforcement defunded. They want them disbanded, dismantled, dissolved, uh, and, uh, and they want to take away our Second Amendment right to defend ourselves as well. Uh, anytime a Democrat is talking, uh, they seem to be contradicting themselves. But uh, when, when, when our rights um, are, are threatened, I simply want to exercise them. I want to defend them. I, I want to carry a firearm to protect myself and, um, and exercise that right in one of the most dangerous cities in America. Absolutely. Because yeah, you talk not only about uh, carrying inside the Capitol, but you said you want to obtain your Washington DC carry license. Uh, and of course the district makes it really difficult to do so. Uh, I don't know how far uh, involved in the process you are, but you know, there are no gun stores in Washington, D.C. There are no private ranges in Washington, D.C. So you can't even get the training that D.C. requires for you to obtain a concealed carry license in the district itself. You have to go to Maryland. You have to go to Virginia in order to go to a range to do so. I mean, those are the types of infringements, I think, that you're talking about fighting there in Congress. Absolutely. And so I have completed uh, the firearm safety courses uh, to obtain my concealed carry permit in Washington, D.C., but you're absolutely correct. I did a portion of, of uh, my training in Washington, D.C. in a classroom setting, and then I had to finish my training uh, at the range in Maryland uh, to, to make sure that I, this course was completed. And so now I'm waiting for my uh, permit to arrive, so I will be able to lawfully conceal carry in Washington, D.C. Uh, now we've seen um, at least 21 uh, Democrat members sign on to a letter wanting to bar members from carrying in the Capitol for the 117th Congress. But um, I already have uh, my sleeves rolled up and I'm getting to work and I have uh, some Republican members who are signing on to my letter uh, so we can stop their movement and uh, at least keep the rules that we already have in place, allowing members to carry on Capitol grounds. Tell me more about your letter that you're sending to the uh, speaker. What 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 uh, what are you telling Nancy Pelosi? Well, we are, first of all, telling her exactly what the Second Amendment uh, gives us the right to do. Uh, we are reminding her of these basics, of these fundamental rights that we have here in America. But we're also bringing to life some of the stories 
Um, I think it's time that some uh, members of Congress have a history lesson. Uh, just a number of years ago, there was a congressional baseball practice where Whip Steve Scalise was uh, critically injured uh, uh, by, uh, by a gunman. And he almost lost his life. This shooting went on for nearly 10 minutes. Capitol Hill police were there as detailees to whip Scalise. Now, I want, I want you to really take notice that if whip Scalise was not present that day, there would have not been the armed detail at that congressional baseball practice. And these other members would have been sitting ducks. They would have been defenseless against this shooter and the threat would not have been uh, neutralized. And we, we could have seen a lot, a lot of more uh, members critically injured and possibly even um, losing their lives that day. So because uh, Whip Scalise and his leadership uh, position, we had Capitol Police there to neutralize the threat. Absolutely. But as you say, you know, if, if, if it weren't for a, a, a ranking member of House leadership being there, those other uh, members of Congress would either have been defenseless or, again, unless they were, you know, among those few who, who were carrying, who possessed a Virginia mm-hmm. carry license, a D.C. carry license, they, too, would have been disarmed. And, and you know, I have to say, Congressman, I, I, Congresswoman-elect, I, I really appreciate, I don't even know what to call you, Congresswoman-elect, for just a few more days. Uh, sure. Then we can call you representative. But, you know, it seems to me like your colleagues here who have sent this letter to Nancy Pelosi on the one hand, you know, they, they talk a good game about personal safety and, and security inside the Capitol, but, you know, they're not walking the walk. I, it, there are threats, unfortunately, to, to lawmakers' lives. We don't live in a society where every one of us gets along with one another. We know that there are people who are intent on, on doing harm to good folks on both sides of the aisle. And, and a huge component, as you say, in this country of, you know, of, of personal security uh, is the right to keep and bear arms. And it, it, I got to tell you, I mean, it really, I know these folks are anti-gun. I know they want to take my guns away. I know they want to repeal the Second Amendment. I, I know all of this stuff. But the fact that they are so unwilling to take responsibility for their own safety mm-hmm. and then try to stop people from taking responsibility for their safety, I mean, this is absolutely asinine. Yes, I, I absolutely agree with you. And uh, that congressional baseball game, it actually that that spurred a lot of those members um, to to obtain concealed carry permits for Washington, D.C. Um, so they would be licensed to carry their firearms. And if they can't carry to and from their office, they simply can't carry. Uh, so uh, these these are law abiding members of Congress who, who found a way. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, we have the Democrats who who do want to take away the Second Amendment. Um, that's that's what got me involved. Uh, you know the story. I'm sure your listeners know the story. But from a presidential debate stage, the Democrats flipped up and said what we had been saying for years. For years, we, we were saying that they want to take away our guns. They want to take away the Second Amendment. And we're told, no, you're crazy. You're conspiracy theorists. No one's coming after your guns. We just want gun control. No, they just want control, really. Uh, but Beto O'Rourke forgot the playbook. And he told everyone, hell yes, we're taking your guns. And uh, that frustration led me to his rally, where as a citizen, as a mom, as a five-foot-tall, 100-pound woman, I confronted him and expressed my need to carry a firearm, to be able to defend myself against a uh, a potential stronger aggressor. I told Beto O'Rourke in Aurora, Colorado, 
hell no, you're not taking our guns. And I meant it. And so if I need to go up to uh, Speaker Pelosi herself and tell her the, the very uh, same thing that I told Beto O'Rourke, so be it. I am here to make sure we secure the rights of the American people above all else. Well, I got to tell you, uh, I, I'm really looking forward to covering uh, your time in Congress. I, I am looking forward to you being a voice for gun owners around the country. Uh, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the program today. Hope you have a very Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. And I hope the next time we get a chance to talk, you'll have been sworn in and we can just uh, stick with Representative Lauren Boebert from Colorado. Thank you so much, Cam. It's been a pleasure being on here with you. God bless you and Merry Christmas. Lauren Boebert, the representative-elect from the great state of Colorado, join us here on Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. Certainly do appreciate Representative-elect Boebert joining us on the program. Looking forward to having her back again in the future. By the way, congratulations to the representative on the birth of twin baby goats. Yeah, I mean, not that she had anything to do with it, but uh, as a goat owner myself, I know how cool it is when the uh, little baby kids arrive. So uh, congratulations to the representative-elect. Uh, let's turn now to our good deed of the day, our recidivist report, and our armed citizen story. Our recidivist report, I gotta say, this is a weird one. Uh, and my condolences to the family uh, of the uh, subject of our recidivist report, Jonathan Hernandez, 32 years of age, who was killed last Saturday when he was trying to break into a home in Florida. Uh, according to local news accounts, uh, the Lee County Sheriff's Office said when they arrived on the scene of this uh, burglary, they found Hernandez dead uh, halfway through the window. They say that uh, the window slammed shut. Apparently, this was an unlocked window, which, by the way, I, I, I don't care how safe your neighborhood is. I don't care if there hasn't been any problems for years. Don't leave your windows unlocked. Don't leave your doors unlocked. Take these simple precautions because crime can happen anywhere. In this case, apparently Mr. Hernandez spotted a, a big window, decided that he was going to uh, open it up, climb through it. And as he's going through the window, the window slams shut on his neck, keeping him suspended in the air, according to Lieutenant Russell Park, spokesman for the uh, Sheriff's Office. Uh, the police say that uh, Hernandez was no stranger to law enforcement, a lengthy criminal history, including a felony conviction for grand theft back in 2018, also arrested in connection with a murder case in 2014. Now, friends and family of uh, Mr. Hernandez say they, they don't believe that this is how he died. They think that there's maybe something nefarious that happened. Uh, his fiance Patricia Duarte, said, when I first met him, I, I was like, man, he looks like he has a rap sheet like El Chapo. And he's just the complete opposite of that. He's the sweetest person that you'd probably ever meet and has the biggest heart. He liked to have a good time, said his friend T uh, Tyson Lane. When he walked into the room, his smile just brightened up everybody, and he just got along with everybody. Duarte says um, when she got the word that her fiance had been killed, she says, as soon as I got there, I'm like, there's no way. This is not what happened. Tyson Lane says he's not a burglar. He's not a thief. That's not who he is. If he had a roof over his head and you didn't, he would give you a roof over your head, bring you in his household. That's something that he did for a lot of people, including myself. His fiance says, I just need something to be done the right way. I need a proper investigation. I need the actual truth to come to light. I'm not sure what they are alleging happened, that a homeowner saw Hernandez coming through the window and slammed the window shut on Hernandez, killing him. I, I, I don't know. Frankly, I, I, I don't know that that would actually be a crime. I mean, if you're trying to prevent somebody from breaking into a home that's not theirs. I mean, and look, I understand it's awful when somebody that you love 
dies in the commission of a of a crime, I can understand how, you know, that, that would be a hard thing to live with and a hard thing to uh, to wrap your head around. The fact remains, Mr. Hernandez did have a criminal record, including a felony conviction for Mac in 2018. Uh, and the circumstances just don't really suggest anything other than a uh, freak accident that led to the death of a would-be home burglar. Now, we'll keep our eyes open for any updates on this story, but uh, there you go. There's today's recidivist report, perhaps the oddest one that we've ever had. Uh, our armed citizen story today from Louisiana, this one also uh, an odd one. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm kind of surprised this hasn't gotten more attention. St. Tammany Sheriff's deputies investigating a, a double homicide. Actually, it's, it's a home invasion in which two home invaders were killed. This might be one of the reasons why the uh, national media hasn't really picked up on the story, because local media, in many cases, presenting this as a double homicide instead of a armed homeowner defending himself and his daughter from multiple home invaders. Uh, according to WVUE in uh, New Orleans, St. Tammany Sheriff's deputies investigating this home invasion in Lacombe, Louisiana, in which two of four armed intruders were killed. The homeowner's four-year-old daughter also struck by a bullet in the crossfire. Uh, police say four armed intruders entered the home uh, on uh, Palmer Drive, which is kind of a isolated, secluded uh, area there in Lacombe. All four ended up being shot by the homeowner, leaving two of them dead. St. Tammany Coroner's Office has identified the uh, deceased as 25-year-old Renard Causey Jr., 21-year-old Justin Hill of Hammond, Louisiana. Uh, the uh, two surviving home invaders have not yet been identified. The four-year-old, who was uh, struck apparently in the crossfire between her father and these home invaders, um, has undergone an operation. She is expected to be okay, thankfully. The uh, St. Tammany Sheriff's Office says they didn't want to put out information any sooner because they say that they do not want to impede the investigation, uh, which is ongoing. Uh, a relative of the homeowner uh, told the media that the man may have been pistol whipped before he fired at the intruders. Uh, Shannon Bordelon of uh, Bayou Adventure in Lacombe says, uh, you know, we heard patrol cars one after another, detective cars, and there'd be ambulances, several dozen emergency vehicles involved. Uh, again, a lot of the details of this case have not yet been revealed uh but just based on the basic information that we have here four armed home invaders target a home two of them wind up dead uh and the uh, homeowner able to protect himself and his daughter yeah that sure sounds like a case of self-defense to me so we'll uh keep our eyes on the story but i don't expect the homeowner to be facing any charges uh, at least not related to uh, uh this act of self-defense and boy you know you talk about an argument for large capacity magazines, quote unquote, um, besides the argument of, uh, have you read the Constitution lately? Have you seen the thing called the Second Amendment? Anyway, uh, another argument in support of um, being able to own magazines that can hold more than 10 rounds is this particular story. Multiple home invaders attacking this individual. Now, I don't know what kind of firearm he used in self-defense. I don't know how big his magazines were. But I'm guessing that uh, this guy, this homeowner who defended himself and his daughter, you know, wanted more than 10 rounds before he had to reload. When you're dealing with multiple assailants, yeah, you're probably going to need more than 10 rounds. And how dare 
any gun control advocate try to tell you how best to protect yourself and your loved ones. And that's exactly what those magazine bans are all about. Denying you your choice in terms of uh, home protection, self-defense, and your personal safety. Now, finally today, our good deed of the day. A uh, great story from Task and Purpose. Uh, on his way to the ball, a Marine used his belt as a tourniquet to save a motorist's life. Yes, Captain Stephen Alexander, who is the executive officer for the Marines recruiting station in Dallas, was uh, in California a few months ago uh, on his way to the Marine Corps ball when a vehicle going the other way lost control and flipped onto its side. Uh, He said, once the vehicle came to a final stop, I pulled over immediately. He said, there was a vehicle in front of me that was also pulled over uh, with the 3rd Battalion, 4th Marine Regiment. He said, I never met them before. They were from a different company. We all ran over to the vehicle. He said, at this point, the vehicle was on its side. The driver was on the bottom and was not coherent. So in those chaotic moments, Alexander and his fellow Marines could not open any of the car doors because of the damage that had been done in the accident. One Marine ended up breaking through the back window. Alexander smashed through the windshield so that he could start applying trauma care. He said, once they smashed in the window, I hopped in. I started treating as many injuries as I could find. He said, every now and then, the driver would come back to consciousness and say that he couldn't breathe. Where this accident occurred in the uh, high desert of California, there was no cell reception. So it really was up to those bystanders to do what they could to save this individual. The nearest ranger station about an hour away. Uh, Alexander found that the driver's leg was partially severed, so he used belts as tourniquets to stop the bleeding before another Marine was able to provide an actual tourniquet. Alexander said, we came to Vegas with our dress blues, not tourniquets or emergency field kits. He said, had the other Marines not been there, there's no way that I could have acquired the things that I needed to treat him. I would have tried my best, but there's not a whole lot I could have done once I got in the vehicle had they not continued to provide whatever resources they could find. After about an hour, uh, park rangers arrived, followed by a nurse who took over treatment for the driver. The nurse found that the driver had a punctured lung. Um, It took several more hours for this driver to actually uh, be transported to a hospital where, at last report, it looks like he's going to be able to recover from his injuries. I mean, amazingly enough. Uh, And that is due in large part to the actions of Captain Stephen Alexander uh, and those Marines who saw what was going on and were in the right place at the right time and willing and able to do the right thing when this accident happened uh, outside of Alora, California. So, Captain Alexander... Let me thank you, sir, for your very, very good deed. Now, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I do want to thank you for being a part of the program, as always. Don't forget, we have so many ways to uh, make sure that you never miss one of these programs. Now, if you like the video, well, we've got you covered. You can subscribe to Town Hall Media on YouTube, or you can subscribe to Bearing Arms Cam and Company on Rumble.com. Uh, also, if you just want the audio, that's good. We're... we're we're okay with that. I'm, I'm really doesn't hurt my feelings one bit. Uh, Amazon Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, probably some other ones as well. But uh, there's almost a half dozen choices for you. We will be back tomorrow with even more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. Thank you so much for being a part of today's program. Hope you have a great rest of your Thursday. Until we talk again, be well, be safe, and be free. <laughs>